Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Good morning, church. So my name is Pastor Charlie Bacar. You can call me Pastor Bacar if you want, since we do have two Pastor Charlies. And I'm going to share with you just a story from my past. And I just need you to promise me one thing. And I know I'm talking to a church, so I know you would never do this, but you can't judge me too quickly. Is that all right? Just don't judge me and, and just think, what a dummy. Just try to take all those thoughts captive and throw them away. And just, just understand that I'm just, I'm just trying to be transparent here. So when I was 19 years old, um, I just wasn't that smart. And I, uh, and I made, I didn't make a mistake, but I thought some things that probably weren't true at the time, um, which led me to kind of like the intro of, of the sermon. And so 19 years old, um, I want to go to in and out with my friends. I was at Vanguard in the dorm room and we all decided, hey, let's get together. A couple of us were hungry, so we all went to In-N-Out. We all took two separate cars. And so I went in a car with my friend, Adam. Now, Adam, we called slow-mo because he was real chill, real relaxed, all right? So he kind of moved in slow motion. So we called him slow-mo. And then my other friend who was driving, his name was Chase, all right? And Chase had just gotten his car back from the mechanic. And so he had two friends in the car. I went with my friend, slow-mo, and we were driving. And this is where you can't judge me because I'm 19, all right? 19-year-olds, just not that smart all the time, all right? Now, if you're 19, I'm sure you're very smart. But I wasn't that smart. And so we're driving and we decide, hey, it's gonna be a great idea if we just start throwing stuff at each other while driving. So that's what we did. I was in the passenger seat. Slow-mo had a lot of change. We left the quarters because we were poor college kids, but we grabbed the nickels and the pennies and we just started throwing them at each other's car. And everybody's throwing stuff back. We're throwing trash. We're throwing nickels and dimes. We're just trying to hit each other's car, right? And it's just great fun. And we're driving from our dorm room, which is at Vanguard University, and we're going to the In-N-Out. And I don't know if you know the In-N-Out kind of in Newport, Costa Mesa area. I think it's by 17th Street. It's the one with just, it's just a drive-through. So it's just a drive-through only in and out. So we pull up this drive-through only in and out. And we've been kind of messing with each other the whole time. I'm sitting passenger seat next to my buddy, Slow-Mo. And I look at Slow-Mo, I said, Slow, I'm gonna get some extra spread and I'm gonna throw it at Chase's car. Now in my brain, this is the funniest thing ever. I don't even think in Adam's brain he thought it was that funny, but he was just trying to be a good friend. So he kind of was like, oh, do it. And so he, I was like, all right. So we went and we got the spread, the secret sauce, all right? Get the secret sauce. And, uh, and it was before they were in the packets. Do you remember when they were in like the little containers, like little condiment containers? So I got a couple of those and we've been throwing each other stuff. Even in the drive-thru, we're throwing stuff at each other. I get this stuff and we're asking, we're yelling at each other from the cars and, and uh, Chase says, where are we gonna eat? And we're like, oh, pull over, pull over in, in the parking spot. So he pulls over and Adam whips around so that I'm facing their car and I throw, I think it's gonna be so great. I'm imagining like, you know, when you do something, you just imagine how it's gonna happen. I'm imagining the spread covering the back window, him coming out, he's all flustered and us speeding away and it's gonna be this great epic thing, right? I throw it and instead of spreading on the back window, it pops up and it rolls down his windshield and it gets kind of on the front windshield and so it's a little bit funny, but Adam like takes off, all right? And we're like, all right, that was, it kind of didn't go the way we want. Maybe we should go back again. So I had some more spread. So we're like, let's do it again. Because if it didn't work the first time, I bet it'll be funnier the next, right? Stupid. So anyways, we come back around and uh, I'm about to throw the next spread. And I see that the guys are outside of the car and they kind of look a little uh, anxious, panicky a little bit. And my friend Chase, it's his car. He looks super upset. 
And I'm like, dude, come on, man. Don't be a baby. Like, it's just secret sauce. And so he looks at me and goes, what did you throw, Chuck? And I was, everybody called me Chuck at, in college. So he goes, what'd you throw, Chuck? And he's kind of aggressive. And I'm like, man, just like, just some secret sauce, man. It wasn't that big of a deal. He goes, there's a fire in my car. And I'm like, sure, okay. So we get out of the car, we park, get out of the car. And I look inside the air vent uh, in the dashboard and I can see like the tiniest little flame, all right? Not that big of a deal. Now, <laughs> Now we could have been, now remember we're 19, we could have been smart and just blown it out right there. All this whole story would end. But again, we're not that great, not that bright, Brett Vanguard. And so we go to, um, we go to the, to the uh, in and out like we've all parked there. And I go to the drive-thru window and I go, and it's like a 25 foot walk, right? It takes me like maybe 15 seconds. I get to the drive-thru window, I say, hey, can I get like a cup of water? My friend's car has a little, and I turn to look to show him my friend's car. Well, now the flames are coming outside of the hood. And I'm like, oh, hey, now this is like kind of went from like zero to 100 real quick. So I look and I go, hey, man, uh, actually, we probably need that fire extinguisher right there. Now I'm 19, I'm clearly not that bright. The dude I'm talking to is also not that bright and he's kind of panicky because he sees a car on fire and he knows he has a fire extinguisher. So I think he just made up a rule. He goes, uh, 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 that's only for fires inside the in and out And I was like, that doesn't sound like a real rule, but whatever at this point. So then I turn back around and now there's like, like actual flames coming. Like, like first they were just kind of peeking over. Now they're like four foot high coming out of the hood. And now this is like an issue. This is a situation. This is like a 911 kind of situation. So someone calls 911. We now have like textbooks in the car that, uh, that we have to get out. So we're like getting books out. We're yelling at our friend, Sean, Sean, get out of there. He's trying to grab his big old textbook. We, everybody gets out of the car. And within seconds, my friend's car is up in flames, 10 foot flames. All the windows have popped out and it's like this crazy situation and my friend is screaming and cursing at me. What did you do, Chuck? What did you throw? I can't say the words because I'm a pastor, but he was saying some words. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, it was secret sauce, man. I don't know what's in it, but it, I think it's just, we ate some. <laughs> And I'm looking and it's, and it's on fire, fire department's coming, all kinds of stuff. And then everything kind of calms down for a second. Like all the rush of this like crazy fire. There was like an apartment complex in the back. I thought someone was gonna die from my secret sauce. Like I was so scared. And so now everything's down. And then Chase goes, man, my dad's gonna kill me. And I go, oh, I know, cause it's your car. He goes, no, cause it's his car. And I go, oh no. I go, Chase, I would never throw in the sauce. Um, and, and then I start panicking in my 19-year-old brain because in my 19-year-old brain, I have come up with the situation that Chase's dad is gonna press charges against me and I'm going to jail tonight, all right? So that's like a thought that came in my brain. And then what happened was the police officer came and he looks and he says, all right, what happened? And Chase immediately goes, uh, this guy threw something and then my car caught on fire. And I was like, hey man, that's not really like the story that we should go with. Like, I think we should talk about it first. And he goes, and the police officer goes, all right, so I need you to stay here. And then he points at me, he goes, I need you to go over there. And I'm like, I have to go over there? And he goes, yeah, go over there. And I'm like, I don't like it when they separate you. Like, I don't feel, I don't feel like I can defend myself as well if I'm not here. So I walk over there and I am now staring at Chase and his dad talking to the police officer and they're doing all the motions and pointing at me. And I'm like, dude, stop pointing at me. Like, like I'm like so... And I'm so nervous. And this just goes on. This is what I said. My, my brain wasn't fully developed yet. And so in my brain, I have now come up with a scenario 
that Chase's dad is going to press charges against me, that that cop is going to come over, he's going to handcuff me, and the police officers are going to take me to jail tonight, and I'm a 19-year-old little, little kid, like, things are going to happen in that jail that I'm not going to be able to outlive. You know what I'm saying? Like I am, I have created a whole scenario and I am stressing myself out and I'm watching this interaction and now I'm coming up with backup plans. I'm like, all right, I clearly can't run because I ain't that fast. And uh, I just had in and out. I'm full. Um, and, and I just, I don't have any money. So bail is out of the question. And then I started thinking, I was like, maybe I can't call my mom because there's no way that's happening. Um, Maybe I could call my senior pastor. This is the things that are going through my head. Maybe I call the senior pastor of the church that I'm a youth pastor at and he'll probably fire me, but maybe he could bail me out and I could just like at least get out of jail. Like these are all the thoughts running through my head. And finally the cop, uh, police officer is done with talking to my friend and he turns and looks at me. I don't know if you've ever had a situation like this happen in your life where like time slows down. Have you ever had this? And he turns to look at me and he starts walking toward me. And as he's walking toward me, all the thoughts that I had just been thinking are now just like, this is happening. Like I have now convinced myself at this point, I'm going to prison tonight. And he's walking toward me and I'm like, it's gonna be horrible. What am I gonna do? Do I punch somebody? Is that what they told me to do? We had just watched like prison break. And so I was like trying to go through all my prison break. Like, do you, I think you gotta punch the biggest guy and then run away. And maybe that's how you establish the dominance. Like I'm like all this stuff, like it's just running through my brain. And then the, the police officer comes and he's walking slow-mo and I'm just like, this is it. And he reaches behind his back where the cuffs are and I almost I swear to you I almost just went sure all right let's do this like I was like I'll just get on the ground whatever you want me to do um and he comes up to me and he pulls out a notepad and he says all right let's get your side of the story and I just like I honestly my whole body like just dropped in like relief that I was not going to prison tonight like that was like my whole life I was like it's flashing before my eyes tonight I'm going to jail and look at me I ain't gonna survive there very long all right it's just gonna be like five minutes and done and I just and I was just like so scared of just the thought of maybe going to prison like that was my thought some of you might have made that a reality. That's a great, great testimony. You can tell me later. But this is just the fear of it was just engulfing me. And yet I read in here from the, the book that we're about to, to, that we've been reading the last three weeks and the story that we're going to, or the scripture we're going to read today is that Paul is writing the letter to the, the church in Ephesus while in prison. So much tougher than me, right? So much tougher than me because not as he in prayer, he didn't throw secret sauce at his friend's car and blow it up. He was preaching the gospel and they actually took him to a prison that is so much worse than any prison we have here in America. And he was so like just one with the spirit, the spirit one with the father that he had the mindset to say, I'm not gonna waste my time feeling sorry for myself in here. I'm gonna write a letter. And that's the mindset I need you to understand as we begin to go through chapter four. That the man who is writing this letter through the spirit of the Lord, as he writes these words down, as they become scripture, that he is writing it while sitting in a prison cell. And he is writing it to a church that in, in a city, that's a major city. It's a major port city. The third largest city in Rome is Ephesus. All kinds of cultures and all kinds of people are there and all kinds of people have been getting saved in the churches in Ephesus. And it's not probably one big church like maybe this is. It's a lot of like little house churches. And he's writing a letter so that it's passed between all of these house churches. And he's going to tell us what it looks like to have a kind of community that reflects who Jesus and who God is. And so that's what we're gonna do today. So if you can open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter four, 
And as you do that, I'm gonna take some time, I'm gonna pray for us. I'm gonna give just a little moment of silence to let the spirit speak to you, let him speak to me before I begin praying out loud. But I just want just a moment where we can just be with the Father. Father, as, as we get ready to read your word, your scripture, written through your apostle Paul, as he sits in a prison. God, I pray we would take these words seriously. We would take your word seriously today. We would apply it to our lives. That you would speak to us individually. That God, it would seem like these words that are written here were written just for me and my situation today. And that God, we would act on them. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so we have uh, the first verse in here is gonna kind of be um, the introduction that Paul's in prison, right? He says, first one in chapter four, therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you have been called. Now what Paul's doing here, he's not telling you that he's in prison so that you feel sorry for him. He's telling you he's in prison so that you understand that what he says is truth. Not only is he in literal prison because he has chosen to follow the scriptures and obey what God has placed on his heart, and his life that he will obey them even if it puts him in prison he's also telling you that I am a prisoner of the Lord I will do whatever he says I choose to not have freedom to go out and do whatever I want I am choosing to be a prisoner of the Lord so I'm going to speak these words with that kind of authority that's why we got to listen and he says this in this very next, after he says this in the opening, he says this, and I'm gonna implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you have been called. Now, when you hear the word calling, if you grew up in church, you might be thinking like a job, right? Like, okay, some people are called to be this and some people are called to be that. That's what I always thought when I was growing up, like, man, what's my calling gonna be? Am I gonna be a pastor, a missionary, a banker? Am I gonna be this or that? That's kind of what we associate the word calling with. What Paul's doing here is that word calling is talking about your call towards salvation. He's basically saying this, those of you who have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have felt that little tug in your heart. You have been called by him to walk in his ways, to choose to make him the Lord and Savior of your life. You're showing up in these churches in Ephesus. You're saying that you're a Christian. And he's basically saying this, I'm going to implore you to walk in a way worthy of what you say you believe. Basically this, that your walk better match your talk. If you say that the Lord Jesus is the savior of my life, he's the Lord of my life, he is everything to me, I am imprisoned for him because I will obey him no matter what, then your walk better match that. He's saying this, you cannot tell me that you choose Jesus as your savior and yet have all these other gods that you serve Monday through Saturday. You can't tell me that the Lord is your savior on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, money is your savior, relationships are your savior, your, even your wife or your kids, they're your savior, they're your rock. He goes, it doesn't work like that. If you're gonna say that this is your calling, if you're gonna say that you are saved, then the manner that you walk needs to reflect that kind of calling. Now, if you have your Bible open, I want you to underline this word and it's walk. And the reason I want you to underline is this. Because too many times in churches, we talk less about walking and we talk more about leaping. Some of you have gotten saved radically. Like you went to church one day, there was an altar call and in one moment your whole life changed. Pastor Jim has a story like that. 
where in one moment he went to the altar and everything changed. He was drinking. He was, he was uh, uh, with all kinds of, of people that he shouldn't have been with, all this stuff. And then in one moment, he went to the altar and everything changed in his life. And for some of you, you've had that happen and it's a great testimony. But then you've put how it happened for you in the beginning and said, well, that's how it's gonna happen to me my whole Christian walk is that I'm gonna get saved one day and then there's gonna be another service two years later that the, the worship's gonna be perfect, the message is gonna be great and then I'm gonna take my next big growth step in my faith with God and then I'll be over there. And you're so frustrated because you've been struggling with some of the same things you struggled with maybe for, for years and years and years. And can I tell you, look at that word walk. Because our walk with Jesus is not a sprint, it's not a leapfrog, it's none of that. It is a walk, it is a bunch of little yeses in obedience to Christ saying, God, I'm walking towards you. If I'm supposed to be like Christ and I'm supposed to reflect him, that is a major image change for us, right? And for some of us, we get frustrated and we feel like it's too much. We get anxious about it because we're like, man, to be like Jesus, that would take so much work. And I'm telling you, it's not one, one giant leap toward it. It's these small little steps of obedience that get you to look like the image of Christ. And you've got to learn to look back and celebrate the little steps that you've taken in your life. Now, I'm gonna tell you this, and this is a warning because I'm gonna say some things today that are gonna make you a little uncomfortable if you can say yes to them. But I'm gonna tell you this, saying yes to Jesus helps you walk toward him to look like him and saying no to the spirit of Jesus, to the Holy Spirit. Saying no takes little steps toward your old self. And you don't think it's that big of a deal because it's just one no, it's just one time that you disobeyed, it's just one thing you really can't do yet. It's just a little thing, Charlie. It's not that big of a deal. I'm telling you right now, the more you say no to Christ, even in the little things, the more you begin to walk toward back your old self. And soon you'll turn around and you won't even recognize yourself anymore. So be careful with these little yeses or these little no's because it's a walk either way. Now, kind of continue on. Now, after Paul tells us this, he tells us what a walk looks like. He's like, hey, I need you to walk towards the image of Christ. He is then going to give us some practical examples of what that looks like, right? So look at verses uh, two, three, four, five, and six. With all humility and gentleness, so to walk like this, you need to do it with humility, which is the opposite of pride, with gentleness, which is the opposite of harshness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Because there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope for your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. You hear a lot of ones in there, right? Now, if I hear a lot of ones in there, then I know that that is a pretty big topic that Paul wants to talk about. He's saying one. Now he's telling us this. He's saying for you to walk towards being like Christ, you need to have this. You need to have unity within your community because he's speaking to the church in Ephesus, right? And the church in Ephesus has a lot of different cultures and a lot of different people that got, some of them were Jewish, some of them were Gentile, and they've all come from different backgrounds. And he's saying, hey, listen, we are one body, one spirit under one baptism. You need to understand that there needs to be unity within community. And there's gonna be some people that walk in to your church that look like or even are someone who has hurt you before. They might even be related to you. And you've chosen 
to say, I don't want anything to do with them. I'll go to a different service so I don't have to see them. I'll make sure they are never there. I won't invite them to any of the things that I know I should be inviting them to because I don't want to have anything to do with them. And what you do is you create disunity within the community. And when you do that and you break that off, then what happens is the reflection of who God is, who is one, right? He is even at the Trinity formed into one. Jesus loves relationships, loves things being one. You are breaking that and you are walking away and not reflecting the true likeness of who God is. Does that make sense? That when we are disunified, when we are walking together, when we are building walls and, and burning bridges with each other, we cannot be true reflections of who Jesus is. Which I'm gonna tell you this, that means that after service today, some of y'all need to send a text message to somebody saying, hey, let's go out for coffee again. Or hey, I forgive you. Or hey, we need to do this, we need to bring this back. And you might think, well, they should do it first. Let me tell you, that's not your call to make. Remember, we walk in obedience to the Father. Not just when it makes sense to us, but sometimes when it doesn't. And there are those of you in here today that need to bring back together a family member, need to bring back together a church member, need to bring back together another Christian who you have fought with and you have never dealt with the tension that's between you. You need to go back and you need to try and build that bridge again because it's not gonna get better and we cannot move in the place that God wants us to move to if there is disunity within our community. We cannot move toward the likeness of God if we allow disunity and barriers and burnt bridges to be a part of our life. So we need to learn to start building some bridges, start sending some text messages, start slowly building that marriage. It's a walk still. Just to tell you, I know exactly what that's like. My dad and me, I had not forgiven my dad for a long time for the things that went on in my family. For years, I did not talk to my dad. And it was little things, little times where I had to forgive my dad. And guess what, I'm gonna tell you this. I didn't forgive my dad one time. I forgave my dad every day for months. Every day I wake up, I forgive you. And even to this day, sometimes when something triggers me, I have to forgive again. Nothing I'm gonna ask you to do should happen in one moment. Everything that I'm asking you to do should be a walk. And so maybe it's first just a text message, but you should be walking toward the place where there is unity in your community. Now, just because there's unity doesn't mean there can't be differences, right? Because we all know, like, listen, if I ever came to the front or Pastor Jim ever came to the front and said, listen, guys, we talked about it. We want all of you to look and dress the same. We're all gonna talk the same. Everybody needs to cut their hair the same way. Uh, that's called a cult and you should run away real quick, okay? So just, we don't do that here. We want people to be different. I want you to see what Paul says in, uh, in verse 11. Verse 11, go to verse 11. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service to the building up of the body of Christ. Now that all sounds like, if you were, if you were just reading this with our contacts and our culture, that all sounds like jobs in the church. No, 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 that is jobs out here. And they're all different, right? The only job that's like in the church that we would see is pastors, right? And that's for building up and equipping the saints. But every other job that's listed there, the, 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 uh, the evangelists and, some, and the prophets, those are all jobs. And the teachers, those are all jobs that you guys do. And there's even more on this list. Uh, Paul, every time he's writing a letter to a church, will write down a list of different gifts. And what he's basically saying is this. He's saying, hey, in your community, there's gonna be diversity and there should be, and you can write this down, there should be diversity within the unity. There should be some kind of diversity there. If you all came together and everybody looked and dressed the same, again, that'd be kind of like a cult, right? 
the Lord set up at the very beginning of the church. He said, there's gonna be people from different religions and different cultures all getting saved and becoming one in Christ. And that's good for the church. Culture is just trying to catch on to that right now. The church has been doing that forever. At least a Bible believing church. There are churches that try to gather around just one thing and that's all they're gonna believe. And they all kind of look the same and act the same. But that's not, that's not what the church that we see in scripture is. Scripture shows us that any church is gonna have diversity in it. It's gonna have people with different stories and different backgrounds. And there's a reason for that. Because something happens when we all decide, hey, even though we're different, I'm not gonna judge you because you're different than me. In fact, I'm gonna bring you in. We're gonna be united under one thing. And I want you to see what Paul does because in the very next verse, he's gonna tell you why that all these teachers and apostles and preachers, everything different that happens inside of a a community, why it's good for the church. Can you look with me at verse uh, 13? Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine, by the tricky of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but by the speaking of the truth in love, we are here to grow in all aspects into him who is the head even in Christ from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, sorry, words according to the proper working of each individual part cause the growth of the body of the building and in itself in love isn't that a beautifully written thing it's so beautiful that sometimes we kind of lose we're like what is he saying again you have to read it a couple times so i'm going to give you the bakar version i'm going to use an illustration i'm going to have two people that don't know they're going to come up can i have dan magania can you come up here really quick i know i'm sorry and andy jagerson i know you're reading your bible but i need you to come up here really quick so andy loves being on stage so i get to do this to him come on up here it'll help me i promise so i'm gonna have these two guys come up and i know dan dan is a board member that that serves on our board he's a great man and then andy serves in the back i'm so sorry he loves being behind stage and i need you guys to come up here with me well andy on this side dan on this side and this is what happens this is what happens i know i'm so sorry he sat in the front row dan likes being up here a little bit not as much but um so this is what happens you see paul's saying here i'm gonna give you the bakar version you can write this down that unity brings stability and maturity you saw a couple words there okay unity brings stability and maturity and the first thing that we see is come here guys Come here. Is it brings stability? Now, imagine this platform is the Word of God. All three of us, and I know these two men, we stand on the Word of God. These guys believe in the Scripture, okay? And we know that even though culture might want to shove us around and do all kinds of things, they might want to toss us like maybe some winds and waves, people coming in saying whatever they want to say, doing whatever they want to do, we know that we stand on the Word of God. And so even if things get crazy out there in the world, even if people start trying to tell you, well, you got to vote this way, you got to do this, you got to do that because that's what a good person would do. They might even throw the word Christian there. That's what a good Christian would do. If it's contrary to the word of the, of the Lord, then we know that's not a good foundation. That's like building your house on sand. And so we, three different people, we now stand stable on the word of God and we're strong. And the other thing that happens is this, is maturity happens. You see, imagine I stood on the word of God, but I only surrounded myself with people that had the same story as me. The only people that that saw Jesus the way I saw Jesus. Only people that, that, that believed exactly what I believed. They thought, talked, and acted like me. Imagine imagine my maturity and who Jesus was, how, how little it would be. But I got, I got Dan right here on my right. 
And Dan is a, is a quieter man than me. He's a little older than me, just like by a few years. He's not that much older. Don't let him. <laughs> seeing, seeing different parts of life than me. He thinks, I've seen him in board meetings. He'll think about something for a long time. I'm the kind of guy, I'm sure that some of you figured this out. I'll just say whatever comes first in my head. I don't even think before I speak half the time. Dan does. So I see, I see Jesus differently through Dan. I can see a Jesus I would never see if I just stuck to my own people. I would never be able to grow in Jesus unless Dan, unless I knew who Dan was, unless I could hear him pray in a board meeting. And I got Andy. Andy is a creative. Andy doesn't like being on stage at all. He is counting down the seconds till this is done. <laughs> but Andy serves so well. Andy serves in the AV room. I see him here all the time. Sometimes I see him here more than staff. It's crazy. And I see, and Andy has grown up way different than me. Me and Andy grew up in two different parts. He grew up over here in San Bernardino, right? Grew up in San Bernardino. I grew up in Atascadero. He knows, he, he experienced a different Jesus because he, he went, he, not a different Jesus, but he experienced Jesus in a different way, the same Jesus in, in a different way than I did. And so when I see Andy and we talk, I get to see a bigger picture of who Jesus is. And I grow in my love for who Jesus is when I know what Andy's thinking, when I see what, what Jesus is doing in Dan's life, I get to grow stronger. It's over, Andy. You can go sit down. Okay, Dan, thank you. Thank you, guys. Give him a hand. Some of you are doing life by yourself with nobody there to help keep you stable because you're on culturish ground and you're just like, well, I'm supposed to believe this and now I'm supposed to believe this. And it's just the most unstable thing. That's why you just always feel like your ground is shaky. And some of you have no one like a Dan or an Andy linking arms with. You're just trying to do it by yourself. And you got some great noble-minded reason, right? Well, this relationship just between me and Jesus, like you have all kinds of stuff, but you got no one around you helping you grow. And you're never gonna become a more mature Christian trying to do it by yourself or even trying to do it with just a bunch of people that think and talk and act the same way. It's important to have people who grew up different than you to speak into your life. Next week, we're gonna have life group signups outside over here in the courtyard. And listen, as your pastor, I expect that you would want to surround yourself with people that grew up in a different story than you did so that you can see Jesus in a different way than you just see him right now through your own two eyes and your own two perspectives. Now, this is scary for some of you. I've talked about building bridges. I've talked about being transparent with people in your walk with Christ, with people you might not know very well. And there are some of you who have had trauma, who have had things happen, who have had people gossip about you, who have had terrible things happen in your life, which honestly I would hope would never happen, but they have happened. And so you've cut yourself off. You haven't built boundaries. You've built brick walls to make sure no one could see or hear you. No one could really know what's going on. You just try and grow with Jesus by yourself and you've created not boundaries. Boundaries are healthy. Brick walls are not. And you've created these brick walls all around you to keep you safe. Some of you even put your spouse outside that brick wall because it's just too scary to have them inside to know the real you. And you've allowed trauma and experiences to become your identity. You've allowed it. You've just said, well, I can't do that because of this thing that happened in my past, Charlie. I just can't do it. 
because of this thing that happened in my past. It's too scary. I won't do it. I can't do it. Can I reach for you this verse that Paul says? Now, Paul's talking in here. Look, go to verse 21. He, he'll, he'll start this off with talking about people that are struggling with sexual immorality, all kinds of stuff, because that's stuff that's happened in the church. People, in fact, in the early church, people would either would go to church and then go to temples because they didn't want to give up their old way of life. So they would just have one foot in and one foot out. Okay, they were kind of, so, so some Gentiles would go to temples uh, for other gods. And then some Jewish people would still go to temple to give sacrifices because they just wanted to make sure that they were, that they were good with God and they couldn't really fully trust in the Jesus guy. So they kind of believed in Jesus and then still did all the temple sacrifices just to be sure, okay? And Paul kind of addresses some of the guys that are kind of moving in and out of the sexual morality, going against scripture so that they can feel like they have all their bases covered. And he tells this, indeed, you have heard him and have been taught in him just as the truth is in Jesus, that in the reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self. Go ahead, you can, you can underline that if you're brave enough. You lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. And you must be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on your new self, which is the likeness of God, has been created in the righteousness and the holiness in truth. You see, some of you are still struggling with the things that have happened in the past. You're putting on that old self every day. You, sh you choose to hold on to that trauma or that thing. You tell yourself, you can't do, I won't be like that guy. So I just, some of you have a calling. I'm gonna be honest. Some of you have a calling in here to be a pastor and you're choosing not to be because another pastor, either related to or not related to, did something and you just can't imagine being that person. And so you've just said, nah, I'm good. I'll just be a really good Christian. It's like the same thing. And you've been running away from what God is asking you to do. You've chosen to say no instead of say yes. Some of you have decided that you're not gonna meet with someone else or you're not gonna talk to someone else because of what they've done to you, because of something that happened. That's your old self. Well, Charlie, I really struggle with this. And so I just can't forgive them. They don't deserve it. I'll talk about that in a second. We're not talking about any deserving or undeserving or anything like that. I'm asking you, are you holding on to your old self or are you choosing to put on your new self in the likeness of God? Are you choosing to every day you wake up, put on your old self or are you choosing to put on your new self? And when I say every day, remember I said walk, walk. The idea walk is true right here. Because some of you think, well, I'm new, Charlie. I got saved, and so I should be new. So none of these, no, no, no. Every day you wake up, you need to choose to put on the new self. Your flesh, everything about you is going to tell you, just do the old self. It was kind of nice. Remember when it was nice being my old self? You'll think about all the good times in the old self. Every day you're going to have to choose to put that old self aside and put on the new self. To not hold on to trauma and to let it go every day, not a one-time thing, and every morning thing, and every afternoon thing, and every evening thing. I'm not gonna be my old self. I'm gonna put on my new self in Christ. I'm gonna let him renew my mind. I'm gonna walk a little close to him every day by doing my little yeses every day. I'm gonna walk a little close. I'm just gonna say yes to him. I'm gonna see what happens. He's never, let me tell you this, he's never gonna stop bothering you. Can I, can I be honest? You can ignore him all the time. He is going to never stop bothering you about becoming more like him. 
but I'm a good Christian, Charlie. I've been saved for 50 years. I'm, I'm fine. No, no, no. He'll never stop bothering you to become more and more like him. What are you going to say? And you might ask, well, they don't deserve it. That's a great noble-minded reason, right? They don't deserve it. I want you to go all the way to the last verse in chapter four, verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. We don't, we don't do things as Christians because other people deserve it. We don't look at their tally and say, nah, that's not for you. What we do as Christians, we don't pull from their deserving or undeserving. We pull that obedience. We pull that strength, not from what they did for us, but what he did for us. We don't pull that strength to forgive someone, to be tenderhearted, to be kind, to be gentle. We don't, we don't pull that from, well, do they deserve it? They yelled at me, so I'm allowed to yell back. We don't push. We don't do that because of something they did. We react because of what he did for us. If you're looking for me to give you a great excuse on that person doesn't deserve it, I'll tell you 1,000%, you are right. They don't, but neither did you. Neither did you, and look where you are. Neither did you, but look where you are. Neither did you, but the Lord said, you are my son, you are my daughter. I want you in this family. Neither did you. So we don't, I'm not asking you to do any of this because of what the other person did. I'm asking you, scripture is asking you to do this because of what he did for you. And that goes for those of you in here that don't feel like you deserve to be a Christian. Maybe you were a Christian and those little no's I talked about, right? The little no's, that was you. You were like, man, I grew up in church. I know all this stuff, but I was saying no to God when I was 17, when I was 18 knowed him and I was tunny and now I'm a little older and I'm looking back and I don't even know where I am. I'm so far from God, Charlie. Sometimes that's more difficult because you know what's right and you chose the other way and you feel shame. I'm gonna tell you this, that verse applies to you because it's not about what you're doing, it's about what he's done for you. Don't tell Jesus that his sacrifice wasn't good enough for you to come back to him. Don't tell him that. Or maybe you never accepted Christ. You're just like, man, this, I've never done this. I'm just showing up. Pastor Charlie, I've been coming for a couple weeks to check it out, but there's a little tug in your heart. Remember that calling, verse one? There's a little calling in your heart right now. Something that's telling you, man, I need to, I need to make Jesus the savior of my life. I need to change my life. I need, I need the Holy Spirit in my life. I've been walking on, on sandy foundation. I've been trying to do what culture says and it's just not working out. I need to do what the Bible says. If that's you today, I wanna give either one of you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus today. So with everyone in here, can you bow your head, close your eyes. And I'm gonna ask those of you that that applied to, either somebody that was walking away for a long time and you wanna come back to Jesus, not because of what you did, but because of what he did, or you've never been saved, but today you wanna make Jesus the savior of your life. What I need you to do with every head bowed, every eye closed, I need you to raise your head and I need you to look right at me and don't stop looking at me. Yeah, you can put your heads down. I want you to know this. I might've said, I see you. doesn't matter what I see. I'm Charlie Bacar. doesn't matter. The Lord sees you. 
And can I tell you what's happening in heaven? He's seeing your heart and he is so excited you decide to say yes. It says that people in heaven are angels rejoice at your decision. Not because they get something out of it, but because, because they know the joy that happens in your heart and in your life and in your soul when you make a decision to follow him. So I need you to repeat this prayer. It's very simple. Everyone in here, repeat this prayer after me. Father, I repent. Forgive me of my sins. Jesus, be the savior of my life. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Comfort me. Convict me. Lead me in obedience to you. Jesus, right now, I pray that you would be with every single person that raised their head, that Holy Spirit, you would begin to give them words of affirmation, of encouragement, letting them know that this is the best decision they've ever made. Let them know that they are lovely, they are beautiful, that their sins are washed away. They don't even have to think about what they've done before because God, they are white as snow, they are made in you and that they are now adopted into the family of God, that they are now sons and daughters of the King and brothers and sisters in this community. So Father, we pray that they would know that, that we as a church have their back and we want the best for them and that we are united together to go and to reach more people for the love of Jesus. So God, we pray that for them right now. In your name we pray, amen. Can you guys stand with me? Repeat after me. Lord, keep me outward focused and fill me with your spirit. Give me the boldness to share the gospel with others and open up opportunities to minister outside the church because I see what I'm looking for. And make me into a generous person like you. God bless you guys. Have a great, great Sunday. We'll see you next week. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.